Welcome to Cherry Jam, the Gloucester Rugby Supporter Podcast. Uh, today we'll be talking about the replacements for the head coach and director of rugby at Gloucester, the unfolding chaos that seems to always surround the club, uh, whether there needs to be a change to the structure of the season and how the professional game is played, and finally our favourite away games and the worst games we've watched Gloucester while away. Uh, I hope you enjoy. So, like, I think the, uh, the idea of this, isn't it, is to talk about four or five things and then I just have a laugh. So the first bit, which we'll get out of the way, was the, the really shit bit. Um, Gloucester? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and the fact that we've, in the space of five weeks, six weeks, we've gone from having one of apparently the best uh, coaching departments in rugby to losing the entire coaching department and apparently our best player. Uh, so that's Ackerman, Humphreys, and apparently Mostert. Well, that means people. that we need Benny Hill music for our intro music to this. Yeah. You do realise, though, I, I, I appreciate you seem to have this, Ed, but I'm not sure Bob Rumble is our best solicitor slash legal advisor. <laughs> I kind yeah, of, yeah. We're, we're, the thing is, we're only going to be addressing rumours. We're not going to be saying anything that's not already out there. Let, let, let's be honest. This rumour or that rumour. So should, should we start it? Because this is already good shit. Well, well I, I, th- I think Dave's got a fair point there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phil, Phil, Chris, uh, Bob. Oh, no, Bob's no, she's not Bob. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chris, um, as, as I'm talking as the voice of John Pierce, I think. <laughs> yes, you would have put a bit more Welsh accent on there, mate. Oh god, um, no. To be honest, yeah. I'll pass out if I try and talk as quickly and as much as him. Yeah, we we would all fall asleep as well. Um, yeah. But no, so what do we all think? Like Ackerman, losing Ackerman, Humphreys, you know, losing one is probably bad luck. Two seems a bit well stupid. A lot of a lot of top quality guys coming in will want to bring their own team with them. So potentially that does open the door for uh, a big name to come in with their own staff, you know, so a, a group of three to, to take the reins. That could be a good thing. Yeah, but it we haven't lost be. all the coaching staff. We've just lost the top two, haven't we? And to yeah. be honest, I don't think it's a bad thing losing a director of rugby on reportedly £450,000 a year. And I, 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 I think Loz is it. Loz is right. The biggest problem is like Humph is probably the one who should have gone a long time ago and this is assuming that we're not losing them as a cost-cutting measure and it would be great losing the coaches if you knew that there was someone else coming in but at the moment it's still all because we're losing where are we? Well, aren't we? What, what did Humphreys do if someone explain to me how you fill a 40-hour week with what David Humphreys did so- my understanding is now Humphreys did all the off the field stuff, so that's contracts um, and all the sort of the minutiae. Yeah, well, maybe the minutiae of the club. Yeah, so and, the, and the, the long term planning, like um, academy development, and you know all the yeah, that, so that's all that's, the stuff that's that. Heartbury that's now coming away from Heartbury, which is probably quite yeah. a big job. So that, that, you know, there's all people that have those responsibilities under them anyway, isn't there? It's not like we had Humphreys in 
and then none of those other roles that other clubs have. No, I know, and I think that the argument being as well is that um, you could probably over, you could probably look look away from the fact that Humphreys maybe not have been doing such a great job if there hadn't been you know comments made about what he'd been you know his his demeanour with players and that allegedly a lot of players were finding towards the end of their contracts they weren't really know where they were. Now I find that a bit difficult to believe because agents, surely your agent, if you've got an agent, your agent will know what you're going to be doing. Um, but I, I, I never really got the feeling that Humphreys was particularly um, happy in front of cameras, in front of talking to people. Hence why we had three coaches who were put in front instead. And Stephen Vaughan, like he seemed to do a lot of that strategic stuff. So when he yeah. was here, I didn't really see where David fit in. No, there seems to be a lot of duplication. That, I mean, that, what you asked was 100%. So what did he do? You know, that's apparently what he was doing. But you could also see there was duplication. You know, so that's probably where they've gone down the route of what they're saying now, which is Alex Brown is going to be the um, equivalent to a director of rugby, uh, rugby manager or whatever it was, team it's, manager. It's always such a weird setting though, isn't it? I've never understood like your head coach not choosing what players he wants. It just find it, you know. Well, I think he did. I think Ackerman did. He turned around and said, "I want this type of player. I want this sort of player." And then, uh, then um, Humphreys went off and found him. It's a bit like set, set up with Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp turns around and says, "What sort of player he wants?" And Michael Edwards goes out and gets it. Yeah, so it's it's like a, a director. Yeah, the director of football, head coach yeah. type of thing, which is very European. But is it it's a good analogy? Is it with Michael Vaughan leaving and Lance Bradley coming in, the dynamic changed significantly of what people were doing and therefore that's where people started getting upset with people having that. Uh, well, yeah, again, it sounds like Lance Bradley's more um, involved with the team, shall we say. That's the rumours. That's the all that's going on thing. Yeah. Um, Michael, Vaughan did, Michael Vaughan didn't have a lot to do, to be fair, though, Jim. No. Stephen Vaughan, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know we need a night watchman, but I don't think even Michael Vaughan is good enough no. to be night watchman at Gloucester. Oh, I was going to say, he hasn't done lots to see those before. Might be in the last. It's because really, it? I saw him on the telly this morning. Here's <laughs> uh, right. uh, a question then. So the, the Gloucester rugby cycle over the last 15 years is we get a new coaching set up in, Things seem to be turning. We get some good players in. It feels like we're on the up. And then suddenly it feels like we haven't got any shape and we don't really know what we're doing. And it declines and it goes down and player power overturns the coaching setup. Do you and know we- what it feels like? How, how Gloucester work is how I used to play championship manager, where I'd do all right for <laughs> yeah, a while. And then it starts turning south. So I'd push control, alt, delete and just start again. And I think that's what frustrates me because it's like, oh, I'm just going to start again when it- it what just, you could do in Championship Managers, you could uh, um, offer an ultimatum, couldn't you? Yeah, just rest, <laughs> sort, rest sorted out as you're gone, mate. Yeah, it's just, I just find it really frustrating as a Gloucester fan that it's the same cycle every three years. And we go like, through different nation, nationalities so, as well, don't we? We had all those French and Italian just, players, and then we done, had all yeah, the Scots in. France, now the rumours are going to have the Welsh in. Oh, God. Yeah. We had all those Scots in it, so I wonder we didn't bloody win it. South well, Africa. Burn, for God's sake. The analogy, my, so my, the father-in-law is a Liverpool fan, and he, he quite follows Gloucester. I've ended up kind of half interested in Liverpool just so we have something to talk about. And 
until this season, Gloucester felt very Liverpool to me, that we always were going to get somewhere. It was going to clear. Yeah. We played quite good rugby. We quite nice. We are like right on the precipice, but we weren't a big club. Got blown out of the water this year because Liverpool have got their act together. But that's how it's always felt as a Gloucester fan. Yeah, like, right. Then, then coronavirus hits and you still yeah. can't win the, the league. The difference being that Liverpool <laughs> always had a long-term plan and coronavirus sums it up to me as a Gloucester fan literally nothing is going on there shouldn't be any problems and we're coming out of coronavirus worse than when we went into it that what other rugby club <laughs> and I, I say this as someone who loves Gloucester what other rugby club can shoot themselves in the foot like this it just you know I, I you, think you hear all these rumors and you just I just remember hearing that Akpers was going and thinking God, silly season's going to be long this year because people are at home and bored. And it, oh no, it's true. And then yeah. Humphreys goes. And yeah. then, you know. Then you hear Mostert's off and you're thinking, oh Christ, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Back yeah. to being then, the usual Gloucester. Then the fan. next rumour is there's a few more. What, what, Hooker to Bristol, isn't it? Marshall. Um, yeah. Marshall. I mean, interesting. So the, the, Lance, uh, the Lance Bradley email that goes around to season ticket holders uh, was sent. Because I never get it. You, you, you obviously haven't clicked the right buttons. You've been blacklisted, um, Jim. You, yeah, we're blacklisted. Yes, that, was, that got sent around this afternoon about four-ish, not four. Um, and he mentioned that there, there, a couple of players have left the club. They haven't mentioned who they are, but they have mentioned that a couple of players have left the club. Now, that would be in addition to the people we knew were leaving the club, people like Callum Braley, um, uh, people like, uh, who's the young back row player? Hinkley. So... So it does suggest that certainly Mostert's off. Uh, I think, Jim, you said you kind of heard that anyway. Um, but it is interesting. So it could be Marshall. That seems to be a possibility on the basis we've got about nine million backs. Um, it's right once you get him fit and he'll be off. Yeah, um, and he is probably, and I think, playing, the last best and he's pr- Up until this, he's been playing the best he's probably played here a long time. And I say that as someone who's a big fan of Marshall. That's like building yeah, your and, strategy around Henry Trinder, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and, and then that's the other argument, is you've got people like Henry Trinder, who's a brilliant player and amazing talent, but is unfortunately consistently injured. Made out of wet bread. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, uh, that's coming from someone who... Um, but the other thing as well is, that, so who we, you mentioned that we want, we're going to have some people applying. Apparently 70 people have applied. We have 70 applications for DF, for head coach. Now I can only assume few of them would have been like, on I was yeah. going to say, yeah. Some Andy, of them would have Andy been... Andy T got through to the last 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. The, the checker rumour I find weird. I just, it's just not going away, is it? it? I just find it weird that what everyone says we need and what I genuinely believe we need is someone who is going to fire up that pack and make that scrum go forward. It's not like Australia under Checker had any sort of previous of that being the case. We haven't done Australia though, Russ. We said that. South yeah, Africa. that's true. Well, yeah. We had Tom <laughs> did though because we had, um, what's his face, didn't we? We had Laurie oh, Fisher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Laurie yeah. Fisher. Was Australian, so, I know, mean, we had like, out of all the candidates that are out there, I'd love, like, the person who fit, if we, what, it strikes me Gloucester's situations were very wasps a few years ago and he's not on the radar but I'd love someone like Di Young to come in you just he's been I I think for me he'd be my favorite because I think he knows what he's getting out of people like Sips 
he knows he can work on a shoestring and he seemed to bring the best out of a wasp squad that you were like he also go back to doing just the coaching as well rather than dlr and as yeah. we're moving away from that because one of the wasp problems in the last couple of years that he went up the boil in the last 18 months or so is he moved away from doing the coaching and gone into being the dlr yeah, and he said he doesn't want it. He doesn't want that involvement. So he said he actually just wants to be a forwards coach, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he'd be ideal for me. He'd be someone who'd sort that. You know, the pack. I just I find our pack so weird. On paper, they should be one of the hardest packs to go up against in the Sele- Premiership. Selection was yeah. odd the last year or so. As and well, we I just think. we just get bullied up front, and like the backs would all you look at that back line they could coach themselves well almost. yeah rory teague would be ideal to to be the skills and back coach would he not well, he is. yeah i don't think what i mean is leave him there rather than yeah. put, putting him in the number one seat and someone like yeah. don you know you you can see he would trust i think die young would be ideal because he trusts he seems to trust the people around him you know he, he didn't strike me as someone who has a lot of experience or previous of being in the back, a backs coach. I just worry, like the other one, the rumours is Cockers, who great coach. I just don't know, you know, do you want someone else if there's all this rumour of player unrest who's bound to come in and hack off a few more people? Well, he's, he's just a bit old-fashioned as well, has never made any friends, has he? No, yeah, that, well, that's yeah. the other one. He's not exactly a people person, is he? And I think, but I, I think, think we need to move away from that almost. It's too nice at times. And I, I agree. Much power. I, I, yeah. I agree, and I think actually that's the other thing I think about Di Young. I don't think he's as nice as people think he is. Oh, no way. Exactly. The other and thing I, as well with Checker is what we seem to forget is how well he did at Leinster. Now, I know he had a, a, a wealth of wonderful players in the likes of O'Driscoll, and I think... Um, Darcy was still there in the centre with him when they had that, they had that golden back line as well. But they, they went very well up front too. So I, I'd, I'd be all for He knows the forwards. I to do the forwards. I'd, if we got him, he'd be a fantastic coach. It's just, it's, it's a weird one. It's like Jim's, it's one of those ones when you first hear it, you think, oh, the rugby paper's bored again. And um, yeah. they've got their, they've got their, um, bingo ball thing and they're just turning out names and clubs and linking them but like Jim said it's just not that rumour just doesn't seem to be going yeah. away so I'd go, go, for, the, go for the cheapest option I, I mean that's the other fear for me Snow is we all, I, as much as I love Gloucester I can just see us going I, I can just see it being underwhelming not underwhelming in it could turn out to be really well it worked in the past when you know Dean Ryan was made coach and did alright for a long time yeah, yeah. We I honestly no think that there's something in that. I think sometimes too much onus is put on the coach, especially from fans, because that's their that's what they see. It's it's the easy scapegoat, isn't it? And I think sometimes if you just do pick someone that just takes quite a simple approach, there's enough quality and experience in that squad. It's not like it's not like yeah. you, you need someone to try and get a lot out of a crap squad. We've got a very good squad. But the, the and the, here's the other one for me. The, I think the thing as as fans i find weird about our fans is we often think we well most fans think they know better than the, the coaches but how yeah. many how many players do that do, 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 our fans gravitate to players who the coach to see week in week out who they decide to let go and they, they regret it and the one thing i would say for gloucester is there's not been many players who've left who i think have gone on to be better players or 
Um, I'm really yeah. I think I think so Dan Robson only... improved for a bit. Dan, Dan Robson still a Fix, class. Fix went on to have quite a good Fix, career Fix still won, after, but yeah. there was a gamble there. I kind of understood where both sides were. Johnny, even though he's coming back, yeah, Johnny's coming back. But Johnny's come back that, as a better player, but he didn't, he didn't win anymore. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, winning things. That's the thing. If you think about a Russia, you're entirely right. So if you look at Gloucester's history, that there are very few players, particularly the ones we release young, who go on to better, bigger, and better things. Probably, if you look at them, I can think of maybe three. Um, Anthony Allen. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Anthony Allen. He did very well. Anthony Allen won, won a lot. He was a loss, a massive loss. He was a big loss. Anthony Allen was one of them. I'd say probably Bix was the other one. Um, and then in terms of a player, again, although ironically he's going back to Worcester now, but a player who's he, he's done very well, extra is Kvezic. Um, yeah, Kev, I, I'm disappointed uh, you're not mentioning Rafael Santandre. <laughs> yeah, funny yeah. that, yeah. Or, or Actually, when that did go, go on and win quite a bit of stuff when he left us, although he, um, oh, yeah. he did improve, it was Carlos Dieter when he went to Saris. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, actually, the, the, we laugh again, the one player that, that, that always gets mentioned, and it's probably the, the exception to the rule generally, is uh, Dimitri Yashvili. Yeah, yeah, quite. I mean, I love, I love, and then Yash. went on to win. Like he, he basically beat England on his own twice. He was basically I mean, here on work experience, though. Wasn't I love Yash, but that, that's exactly it, Snowy. He was, he was a young lad when we let him go. You didn't have any idea who he was going to do. He showed glimpses uh, of being a very good gonna player. Keep, you're never going to keep an half decent Frenchman that's the age he was that's got no. real aspirations of getting into the national team. Um, you ain't going to get picked for the first time playing at Gloucester. No, exactly. That's what worries me for that coach because our fan base have such ridiculous expectations. And that's where I had this argument with my father-in-law about the analogy. We're like Liverpool where our fans seem to think we're an amazing club, but there's, there's, you know, and not a slight on Gloucester. I love it. I I get the analogy. I just think it's the wrong club, Russ. Yeah, yeah, I don't can. think I don't think we're Liverpool because Liverpool won lots of things before we have. I'm a Leeds United fan, Ed. That's fair so, enough. You know, I'm, I'm used to. I'm probably the one well. here behind you who has the right to be the most miserable about my sporting choices in life. True. And well, I well, think I'm we're very like that. The, the, the thing the, is, the team... sorry, Sam. Gloucester fans for a long time had a shit team, and we got excited about sometimes punching above our weight and occasionally doing well, and really got behind the side when we got to. Champions Cup semi-finals wasn't called that. Honeycomb Cup semi-finals when we weren't expected to. Then we've had the last 15 years, we haven't performed to the sum of our parts. We've had really, really good squads and never delivered off good squads. So I think that's the, the thing, frustrating thing. And I think, but I think the problem with that, Snow, is last year we had probably an Indian summer, didn't we? None of us expected to be in a semi-final. And we probably in hindsight we probably we played very very well last year and we probably overperformed to a degree and i just wonder how much this year is is there an element of us being at our level which is under i think we are better than where we were we are in the league at the moment i, I think the squad on paper was a top but four, i mean we got top, top four, four and that was great but it's one season, and this is this is this season a blip? And and the fans, even before Akers walked away, there were people calling for his head and questioning it. And so, you get always, that in every club. You get that in every walk. I mean, the one thing I say about this season, and I, I think 
Ackerman, I think probably, I think I'm sure I'm sure I've read that he he admitted this that he got he got the preseason and the early part of the season wrong because they each you know they were struggling to identify how they were going to cope with the World Cup and that that had a big impact and um, I think it would have been a challenge for any coach because you've got we had a we had a core of players who were away with the World Cup so some of our bigger players as well you think of people like Mostert and Pelagri. Um, who, you know, they were really important players. Hines, you know, they, these are key. You know, you talk about spine of a team. These are key players, um, and they all away, and they, they all got well, apart from Pelledri, but, but Mostert and Hines got so very deep in the tournament, the final Mostert winning it. Um, but the the one thing I was going to say, Rush, you go back to the the, the football analogy and, and the clubs that we we I would say we were closely aligned to. I would say we're more like a Newcastle. Yeah, that's probably with, ex- with the exception of we don't ha- we're not going to be bought out by the side the Saudis anytime soon. But the the um the well, big, you the, say that, but Altrad's going to run for mayor and give up his. Uh, well, yeah, I did hear this. of Montpellier, so you never know. Someone you never know. But the, the 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 argument being is that you know we're we're a we're a one city club. There's nothing else that competes with us here. We're very much the fans are seen as kind of almost over the top with their devotion and, and things like that and we're very much a key asset to the club and how we identify ourselves as a club but we, don't, we always never quite make that step um but the thing is we're talking about like the, the coaches and stuff so i i think if my personal favorite would be cockerel um on the basis that he's a proven winner so he's won everything you can possibly win at leicester on a on a consistent basis um i don't think at any point they were outside the top four and the reason he got sacked was he didn't get final which is you know that shows you the level of what they expect at Leicester or did expect at Leicester <laughs> yeah no, exactly and now you've got um he's at Edinburgh and that they before lockdown I think Edinburgh were top of the pro I mean 14, yeah away. they play I really like the way they play I, I yeah, you know I have, no, I have nothing I you know out of all the pl- every coach we've mentioned I don't think there's any of them I'd be I'd be delighted with any of them. I just, it, it's hard to see where it's, where we're going to have, if if we're talking about, you know, you're reading all these other messages at a club needing to take cost cutting cautions and so yeah. on. It's just, where's that money coming from? Is mm-hmm. it coming from us losing other players? I don't know, but it's still, even if that doesn't happen, I kind of agree with Snowy. I don't think if, if, if it's, a lower level appointment or we appoint from within i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because it can if if it lowers the expectation everyone's got to start somewhere haven't they yeah exactly yeah, yeah, and like i said dean, dean look what dean ryan did when he came in you know for what happened after he was the one who said to all the young lads right in you go have a go boys and we it nearly it nearly paid off for him a lot. Was, was Dean Ryan? Does Dean Ryan? I, I, my memory was Dean Ryan was director of rugby at Bristol. So yeah, and then he came he in then, as fourth. He, 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 he was head Melville. Melville. and then when Melville went, Dean Ryan stepped up. And the it's funny, was, yeah, and, and and don't get me wrong. I, I think the way that Dean Ryan, particularly the, you know, at the, the high points, so you're talking 2007, which is when we got the final. 2006 yeah, was when we got the final. 2008. Was it? Oh, I, yeah. Two, anyway, 2006, we won the European Challenge Cup. Yeah. 2008, yeah. we won the final. And 2008, yeah. we lost in the semi with Jude doing the drop goal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah.
sort of, um, anyway, but, but it kind of leads on the fact that the, the whole about coaching and the fact we, we kind of touched on it about the season structure. So the other aspect we want to talk about was the fact that um, there are attempts to try and sort the season structure out once and for all and to kind of merge it and align it worldwide to make it more, well, just easier, I, I suppose. Um, and They've got to do it now. They've got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the alleged, allegedly, allegedly, the two leagues that apparently are causing all hell and saying no, we're not doing it are That's the French the and us and the Brit and the English league. Every other league is every other country and every league is is well on board. And I, I think the reason being is if you look at every other league, they are generally designed to support the national team. So if you look at the yeah. all, all the all the super rugby stuff, the yeah. Pro 12, Pro 14, whatever you want to call it, it's all designed to, really to support the, the national team. The French leagues and the English leagues are the only leagues that are competitive to the point that you know you get it is very very competitive, um, particularly they're, in the French league. They're also and, commercially viable and very yeah. well as much as you can be commercially viable in you know. Now that's another point we're going to I'm going to touch on, which was so that there's two aspects of this that seems to be being developed. First aspect is the time of year we play rugby. So moving the season from um, September to April. No, it's long, like the Super League, won't it? Yeah, so what, basically doing a January, January, February to October. So making it a summer sport, pretty much. Yeah. That's the first aspect. And then the second aspect is to, after a long, and I've always been a proponent, a proponent of it, which is to say, to get rid of relegation. Now, I think increasingly, because of the financial situation, not just at Gloucester, because Gloucester's not going to be atypical, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the clubs are going to be struggling going forward. And relegation is just another area which puts a doubt. And I'd just be interested in what you guys think about that. I think the parachute payment more than uh, compensates clubs for getting relegated. I think if they get relegated and then have massive financial implications off the back of it. That's down to poor management, not just poor rugby yeah. uh, for relegation. I think it is hard, isn't it? Because the argument people will point to is Exeter, but how many teams have done what Exeter did? Bristol. Yeah. But Bristol, but, um, it took a billionaire. To, and it's the same so Ealing are chucking a load of money at it again as well so they'll, yeah. they'll want to go I guess the counter argument to that is almost you follow the Super League franchise model where you almost have you have to apply is it I, I, I don't yeah, know so you, you have to apply to have it it's been, a very similar system so yeah so but the way it works is it's not it's not way, quite um, NFL kind of franchise levels is it but no, and, and actually we kind of live in a, we kind of are in a pseudo franchise system as we are because we've got this thing called the golden share. There's only, there's only 13 teams who've got a golden share and surprise, surprise, they're the 13 teams that consistently are in the premiership. Um, no, to Jim's point, and I agree with that, is the fact that if you, if you are, if you, after relegation, you end up going broke and bust, that does highlight massive structural problems. I mean, and probably you deserve to go out of existence. But you are going to have it. a drop in crowds, aren't you, as well? Yeah. You've got to yeah, yeah. Crowds are going to half, probably. Yeah, yeah. The thing, in, in a 12-team league, 
every game is exciting. There's something to play for. You've got I mean, every that's, position that's, has something to play for. Even if you're fighting relegation, there's a European position. And it, it does keep it exciting. Sometimes that, you see some of the best games and the best crowds are those teams that are fighting at the bottom of the league. That's, that's the counter for me. If you're, if you're bottom of the league and you're only one point off 11th and you can't be relegated two games to go, what's, what's the point? If the, you yeah, no, I get that. So I, get that. I can understand it. If there's something to play for, it's the same with the premiership in football, you know, with even like things like the, the lesser, you know, the one believe below the champions league, the names just escape me that there, there's something to play for almost at every position. So you, you do have that. Yeah. Um, the, the premiership, the premier premiership has proven that any team can beat any team on the day. So actually, that that team in the relegation dogfight, they'll beat the team. You know, maybe not one two, but they'll beat the team in third or fourth if they turn up without the rock. I mean, I I understand all these, but I'm weighing up. There's there's this. It, it would never happen, but I do like secretly this idea that we actually said right the teams that are in the league as of the next season start, and you can never come up. So cheers for coming, Saracens. There's almost <laughs> you know if that was happening. <laughs> I'd, yeah. be, I'd be all for scrapping relegation, I think, because they can, you know, just do one. But, but, but we all know if they were to get rid of relegation, they would increase the league size. to 14. Yeah, it would be 14. Anything, any 14 it would be 14. And I think the only thing you would, if, if you were going to do it, the only way it would be viable to me is if you do that. And if there is a team like Ealing or someone who comes along, you've got to give them a chance to come to the top of the table. If you've got a team that are just consistently bottom, financially struggling, they've got to know that there's a reason that they could go walkers and they'll be replaced with a team from down below who've got a bit of ambition and something about them. Because... I'll, go, I'll go more extreme. I, I don't think it should be ring-fenced, but I think if you do, you have to create a regional team structure. Oh, God, see, that's, that's the thing that was. Could you imagine a, a West Country team? Could you imagine? Like, this is my big thing. They used to have one, didn't they? They used to have a yeah, South I know. I, I, the, okay, so the counties were, I used to, uh, as someone who remembers watching county finals and stuff, I used to like it. But could you imagine, like, the Brist, the West Country Warriors or something rubbish and having to go along and cheer for. Well, we would have fallen England, with. England we thought it'd probably us sail Worcester. Yeah, oh, yeah, true, Lars, with their logic, yeah. But I just, I, I, I couldn't get on board with, I think rug, I think culturally, there are areas to this country where they might be able to do it, but, you know, I dislike the rabble down the road, but they'd be just as against it as we would, I think. But, yeah. but in, that, in that setup, the state. idea of ring fencing it is basically that you share the wealth to an extent. Yeah, and, yeah and that, that's what it for Wales, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the other counter laws. I agree. We've <laughs> only got to look at the, the mess they're in now. Yeah, we got we got thirteen golden uh, shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want a league of fourteen, maybe they could have that fourteenth place as some kind of franchise deal. So teams that are in the championship, they can apply to it. Well, right. Okay. We'll give you a three-year franchise. You come up do your three years and then we'll see what happens if there's someone else that wants to bid and yeah so the idea is there is an idea which is kind of floated around before and, and i think it apparently was one of the things that was um suggested at one of these uh rfu meetings and was as, as an option which was to have um a similar system to there's a i'm a geek of football and the argentinian system of football is they have an aperture and a clausera they have two leagues every season 
um, and they average the points across the two seasons. So you can win, you could come top in the first bit and come bottom and you end up 13th or something. But basically what they were suggesting is that you have a three-year or five-year league. Um, you have individual champions each year, but after five years, or three years, whatever you were saying, Jim, the team that finishes with the bottom number of points over those three years, averaged out, is binned off and you get somebody else in. It also means that, and, and the argument being is that um, the team, the, the division below would, be the, would basically be, realistically, that's the other thing as well. The other thing I have an issue with in, in the promotion relegation thing is, realistically, even if you assume 13 teams are viable, there's only probably one or two more teams after that who even want to be promoted. So the likes of Bedford don't want to be promoted. They've actually actively said, we don't want promotion. Um, Doncaster is another team that don't want promotion. Hartbury, Hartbury couldn't be promoted. There's, there's no, they haven't got the facilities, they haven't got the, you know, the ability squad-wise, salaries, anything like that. It's just not physically possible. So the, if you wanted to really think about, the most extreme way I would think of it, if you're going to do keep relegation promotion, is to actually say, we're going to have a 20-team uh, conference almost so you have i don't know 14 teams or air or 12 teams in the one league eight teams in the in the in division below um and you can keep that but there isn't the, we haven't got the number of players we haven't got this infrastructure yeah. we haven't got the demand for any more than really 14 or 15 big and you, i'm not i'm not sure it's broken i i think we talk a lot about trying to fix something that isn't broken I, I yeah i agree i don't think the premiership is broken what is i i, I do think that if you're going to move to a global season, which I do, I can see the merits of it. Yeah, this, absolutely. like Loz said, if you don't do it now, you're, you're never going to do it. Well, you got the perfect opportunity because you got what? No, we got nine league matches, some playoffs, and we got some European weeks. That's about 15 weeks. That takes us to roughly November from, well, maybe a bit before October. You can have November, December, and, you know, the, the, a 10, 12 week period off. Or end the season and pre-season, and then bang, you go again in February. Yeah, well, it's a clean, it's a clean sheet of paper, isn't it? Yeah. The, the only way to do it was to have sacrifices on both sides, but everyone's sacrificing everywhere because of COVID. So yeah, I mean, and rugby's in a weird situation, isn't it? Because contracts are so close to coming to an end. Like Johnny May's almost due to start. Well, I believe he's. Correct. I believe he's actually. I believe he's actually already training in Gloucester. Exactly. So, how, how is that going to work with starting the season again as well? There's there's so much to unpick there. And what I see, yeah. what Loz is saying, it's almost like, and this sums up being a Gloucester fan for me because he, we could, we'll probably write the season off now and we'll finish ninth. You know, just just for a change. What, what are the reasons? <laughs> what are the reasons against a season that starts in January? I don't, know, you don't, I don't personally see one. I think, I, I, think, I think a move to the summer as a summer, as a summer in brackets sport, and if you keep, you could even keep the Six Nations where they are sort of early part of the year. Um, I don't see an issue with it. I think it encourages, one, you'll be the only thing on television. So it'll be us. There's cricket, but cricket's, I mean, let's be honest, domestic cricket is, other than 2020 and a bit, of the, 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 the 100. It's not particularly exciting. Not me to watch. Well, it's not so much You've got test matches. You've got eight test matches, yeah, seven eight matches a year. Plus, but yeah, plus but one day internationals, plus T20 internationals. There's, there's quite a lot of cricket is actually on normally. But what I I'm think saying you can is spare that, 80 minutes for a game of rugby. Yeah, compared to rugby. And, you, and, it's, and it's a sport that a cricket, you know, I think we all will be very happy. We're quite watch, happy to watch cricket. 
But um, let's be honest, if it came between a choice between watching Gloucester and watching Gloucestershire T20, I think every single one of us would go, we'll watch Gloucester rugby. Um, and, I know, and I know it's preaching to converted, but I would imagine that the rugby as a summer sport is far more exciting than I, I think it's when you get to the grassroots yeah. level. I assume you keep, you, keep the the against. you keep the season the same then, right? Yeah. I think that's where the argument is, isn't it? I think that's where it's so anti. As someone who's played a lot of local rugby to a low standard, the, um, the argument has always been that it's not a summer sport. And, you know, as someone who's played locally as a prop, it definitely is not a summer sport for someone like me. And But there's no reason why it has to move. So in, in, the, in England, there's a lot of registered rugby players, the most registered rugby players for the, in the world. Yeah. Registered playing players. And when I, when I played, it was a struggle to fit in watching Gloucester as a season ticket holder yeah. and playing. Yeah. So, so then, that's a huge benefit as well. It's okay, you might struggle the first couple of months of the season, but you'll have a lot of people that, that are doing yeah, rugby all year of, round. And of April through to September, your attendances yeah. are going to go through the roof, aren't they? Well, that's another thing. Why not have Gloucester matches on a Saturday, Saturday evening? Again, as, as someone who's a local rugby, who was a local rugby player, I, I'd support that. I think going back to Ed's thing, if rugby wants to become a true global sport, it's it always frustrates me that we never capitalised on the previous World Cup when Japan beat South Africa and there was so much interest and there was a chance to invest in these other club teams and develop them. Four years later, we were having the same conversation about what, what can we do to help teams like Uruguay, Georgia, who have all developed, you can see it, with no support. And I think a global season is only going to help teams like that. And it does, as a fan, it infuriates me to see how little we do to help these other teams develop because it's only going to be for the good of the game long term. But it's to Turkey's voting like, for Christmas Day. Yeah. You know, why why not develop them and a global season helps them so we might not like it straight away here or it might feel a bit weird but as a fan why would i not want to go stand in this shed june july with my mates um, exactly. have, have a few beers yeah, and watch some rugby win the world cup don't get me wrong but you know if fiji kind of suddenly get some money and a bit of help and start getting close to winning world cups that would be incredible. I mean, we all want more teams to be able to beat Wales, don't we? So let's. <laughs> uh, sorry, JP, but I like think you know, just need a game against them, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, from, let's, from a fan's point of view, we want we want we want these things to happen. But unfortunately, those that run the game is a cartel, <laughs> and it's all working it very nicely for them, isn't it? And exactly. the only way the only way you bring about this kind of change is for people to get on board with it and say they need it to happen. You vote with your feet. I don't know. I don't but as Ed was saying, do we want it? I I I just the more as someone who at first thought, mm, summer rugby, I don't know, is are we going down the rugby league route? So long as you don't change the laws too much, or maybe do away with a choke tackle. I yeah, I'd be all, trying to do. I, I'd be all for it. The, the um, thing is the the, the conditions aren't an aspect anymore so i think the conditions used to be an aspect of the discussion no, because the pitches, pitches were hard so and everything so yeah. this day and age 4g pitches is it's irrelevant now yeah i, I, I mean, just it, think it's got to happen and yeah all the pitches all the as i think the, the, the key bit seems to me for, for i think probably for all of us who would agree with this is that that the amateur game so everything below probably the championship you could argue 
because um, I think it's a single professional team in the champ, uh, lower than the championship. So everything below the championship sticks to amateur. Yep. Um, sticks, sticks. Sorry, sticks to the normal winter season. September, April. September, April, September, March, whatever um, season. Um, you know, they tend to, they generally tend to finish before April anyway, because they they actually play the games when they can play the games. Um, but the professional season starts February. Uh, you can actually start the season with the Six Nations. So actually, from a, from international point of view, all the England. But think about it this way: if you start with the Six Nations, all those international players, they just go in a camp. You so and they will be they'll all be rested. They'll all be really highly tuned and trained. They'll go out and it'll be amazing. Can you imagine a tournament when it's you know you see what happens when Wales go. Yeah, they'll want, they'll want the matches. They'll want further internationals. Then will they? They'll want matches before. Well, you can. The one, one big problem with global season, well, you, but, you're going to have a whole stack of international rugby in one block. You'll have your, from this looking like Six Nations at the start of the season, and at the end of the season, you're going to have them down under, and then down under comes up top. I and think you're going to have might... 10 test matches in a row. And that, yeah, you might do you then go down the route of, I know rugby technically almost has a central contract. Do you then move towards more the cricket format of central contracts where it's almost like they're, they're then loaned back to, to the clubs? At least then as a club, you know when you're getting those players. And the the, the, the trouble is, in, in France and in England, the domestic game is a product in its own right. It stands yeah. up, it makes money, it needs to be entertaining, you need the top players. That isn't the case in cricket. It's not the case in Australian rugby. It's, and it, it, those sort of contracts work in those scenarios. But I think Ed's right, though. It's, it's like the turkeys voting for Christmas, isn't it? Because yeah. those clubs, France and England, if they want the game to grow, they, they, they're going to have to do this. And in the long run, it's probably going to be for their own benefit. Because let's face it, most players end up in most players worth anything will end up in France because that's where the money is. So it's it's in their own interest to develop more players yeah. that they can they can pay peanuts almost for relative to them to to nick allegedly. So what we we all we all agree that it definitely should be a summer sport and we should relegate Saracens. That's the that's the, yeah. And then and scrap that point, no. and then part of scrap relegation promotion. That's what we all agree on. And stop um, them loaning out their players. Yeah. Uh, although we're getting one of those, so yeah, but it's keep not relegation to keep relegation. <laughs> it's not really a punishment for them, is it? It's more like they're oh. sending. It's like it's like a French exchange trip, isn't it? All their players yeah. are going off on holiday for a year. Saris will come flying back up, and we've just paid them for. I I don't get it as a punishment, but that's a different debate. That's a different debate. But I was going to say, what we could, I, I can definitely, I can, I can guarantee that I could probably convince every single person, not only on this, this. But also in the wider population in Gloucester to get rid of relegation, and that would be that two teams get relegated, but they have to be Bath and Bristol. And at that point, we just <laughs> see. I just uh, right? I don't know. It's one of those weird ones that everyone says they they'd want Bath gone, but you imagine would you get you wouldn't get to pump no them again like the sixty eight? Yeah. That's the dream. Is yeah, that's, Honestly, Bath at this will point, have to be gone if it's a summer sport because rare <laughs> is a public exactly sport. they have to. They've got a ground to play no, on. No, no, no. They, they can play on it, but people can walk their dogs on it as well at the same time. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's be fair. That what I always remember the season where they put the hoses on it, and they're like, "Oh, it's a torrential downpour, torrential downpour." Yeah, it was a torrential downpour, but those hose pipes are now helping, are they? No, uh, exactly. See.
final thing, um, it would be what's our favourite thing at Gloucester? Um, and I think Snowy suggested this earlier, which was away games. So, Jim, what is your... We'll go around everybody, but Jim, what is your favourite at Gloucester away game? So, oh, I did love a Friday night coach trip up to Sale. But it was it was a horrible horrible journey um, in rush hour traffic. But I don't know there was something quite um, quite entertaining about going to sale because it was I was with different people that I would normally be with on an away game. So I I did quite enjoy that. Um, it was a really good sort of random social. A couple of the pubs around the ground as well. Oh, Haywood Road, so. yeah, with the old the, the original Haywood Road or yeah. Edgley Park or. Well, Haywood Road and Edgley Park, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah we I, never I, won at Edgley Park, though, did we? <laughs> no. But no, I quite liked um, I quite liked those trips, just because they were a bit different, really, because it was one of the few games that was regularly on Friday night. Mm. Uh, Russ, your favourite away game? La Rochelle away was always a good one with the road trip. Um, the rugby was good. Um also here was trying when we'd agreed that we would all order something in French and was mm. his way of ordering in French was just to talk at point at the menu and talk in English a bit louder for ham, egg and chips. I think I think Le Ham Sandwich was his is, yeah. is the best he ever got. But um, that was back when this was a La Rochelle a few years ago. I can't really remember when before they had money. Um and we won in France, which never happens. Um, yeah, but was struggles with English, let alone bloody French. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other true. one I really enjoyed, if you're talking club games, was Leeds away, Big Les's five-try debut, stood with a load of Bradford, well, a load of Leeds fans who wanted to hate him because of his background in Bradford. And then there's this one person randomly who just stood there smiling and you sort of turn around to her afterwards and ask, what are you so pleased about? She said, I'm a Bradford Bulls fan. And that was it. But that game was amazing. It was one of those moments where you just, a player made a debut and there was so much hype around him. And you're like, Jesus Christ, he is actually, he might actually live up to this. That was the first that game was in four years. Couldn't yeah. get the day off work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do, Leeds away was always a good game away anyway. I yes, quite it like was. It as a player. Heading, heading was a cracking ground to go yeah. to. Uh, Snowy? I am going to go for Toulouse away. Um, uh, this year? No, no, no. A while back. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many? Oh, maybe? yeah, I know. The first time oh, we yeah. played him. Yeah, yeah. Um, when Toulouse were probably one of the top three sides in Europe at the time. And we lost. We should have um, won. But we did play really well. Played yeah. the best we had played for a number of months. But rugby aside, Toulouse is a great city to get absolutely smashed in. <laughs> it, it, it was it was a huge bender so um yeah very memorable for that reason amen to that and loss oh Connick away in the heineken cup the first time we played them that was just an awesome trip oh yes lawrence i have to agree that was <laughs> absolutely superb that weekend we won which helps but why were what a wonderful place to go Galway. fabulous time it was that we were in the Jim got what was in his pub and he messaged me and went out with him and his mates and there was they were doing a radio show live in there and they were serving out free Heineken which not not normally the top uh, the tip of choice but as it was free so we we're having the the odd bottle of them and the bouncer turned around and said oh you're only meant to have one each this is um this is 
for everyone who's coming in. And there weren't any more people coming in there. So we just said, look, you know, you haven't got that many people in here. You've got a stack load of this Heineken. How about we have a few more free ones? And in the end, Jim just went and helped himself to them. And every time, they did this live radio show, and every time they mentioned Bath, there was just this massive boo. And every time they turned around, Gloucester got mentioned. And they were just, we just started off with a massive Gloucester chant. And the producer kept on turn, telling us to, to, to keep the noise down a little bit because it was a live show. And all you heard was their apologies of the noise that was going on in the background. I think we've got a late honourable mention, actually. I think we all went to this. I don't know if Loz was there. But Newport away was quite a good one when we oh, were in the we, yeah, and Jim um, nearly managed to get us all killed. Yeah, Jim nearly managed to get us killed with like, what's this doing here? That's oh, the bridge, that, yeah, the bridge. <laughs> but my other yeah. favorite of that one was Snowy bought a ticket from someone in the bar, and the rest was like, no, nah, no, nah, we're gonna buy, we're gonna buy tickets when we get near the ground, don't worry about it. And then we walked down the road, and that bloke went, Oh, mate, do you want free tickets? And yeah, that's right. It was that Ted game that they were giving <laughs> yeah, away. That, the only one who paid to get in was Snowy. Snowy. That was always a highlight. <laughs> the um, so my I've got two. My first, so my the, the first one was, uh, and actually they happened very close together. The first one was um, Madrid, which Jim did. You, I think Jim, you probably would have been the only person. Did you go to Madrid? No, I didn't do that one. Right, so Madrid was, it was one of, if not, it wasn't the first European trip because Gloucester had played a few weird random European games in the mid-90s, but we managed to play Spain in uh, about a month after they, they got knocked out of the World Cup in, in the 99 World Cup um, and got over to Madrid. It was November, I think, and it was about 20 degrees, 21 degrees. So everyone was walking around in shorts and T-shirts. All the locals had flipping fur coats and hats and, and gloves on because it was for them cold. Um, the two abiding memories of that trip was one getting there on the Friday evening and a bus at about 11 o'clock. I was only what 14, 15 at the time. And got, uh, at 11 o'clock, my dad said to me, Right, we're going out. Uh, what you want about? Why would we be going out at 11 o'clock? Because open that we got out of the hotel, walked through the door, and it was like chaos because obviously the Spanish all go out at 11 o'clock in the evening. Um, that was the one thing. And the other thing was the, uh, the a accidentally walking into a gay bar with about 20 Gloucester fans, not realising it was a gay bar uh, for a very long time. That was quite amusing. Um, and then the other one I have to say is the first time we beat Bath in about 25 years, 30 years. And that was in a cup in 2000. And we put a B side out. What a B side. We put a young side out, very young side. Phil Vickery was there, was was playing very early, one of his early games. Jake Burr was captain, wasn't he? Jake Burr was captain. Um, no, no, I think with Jake Burr would have been. It wouldn't have been Jake, Jake Burr was captain because he couldn't get in the team at that stage. I thought it was Kingsley Jones. I thought Kingsley Jones. No, was in... no, Kingsley Jones was in the was in the that was player keeping Jake Burr right at the. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So yeah, anyway. he was flying from London Irish. That's right. So anyway, we 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 played and we we beat them. Um, fair and square as well. It wasn't like uh, the, the the one where we where Willie Walker basically charged everything down. But um, yeah, I always remember that game because at half time they they uh, we I think we were about two points up or maybe two points down, and they announced over the tannoy tickets to the Bath Leicester semi final will be sold after the game. This is during the game they said this. So anyway, Gloucester win. Absolute pandemonium. I think there's a video of Danny Rumble running on the pitch and, and, and cuddling Chris Catlin quite tightly. Just for a change. Yeah, just for a change. Um, and I remember the other thing, is just funny the stuff you remember. I remember being in the queue for Park and Ride 
and this bloke sidled up to us in a bascarf. And he says, to, he says to my dad, he says, is this, is this the queue for the parking ride? Quick as a flash, my dad turns around and says, yes, it's definitely not, it's definitely not the queue for the Battle Esther tickets, is it? Which, you know, pretty good, I thought that. But they, they, there was just, I just remember it was one of those games where no one expected us to win. We went down there, put an incredible performance, went and bloody won it. And then we had played Leicester in the, in the semi-final, what didn't turn up? At Kingsland as well. I remember it was that, that, That's the story of being a Gloucester fan, isn't it? Yeah, so many times we used to put, you, you, we'd go and do an amazing win away or an amazing win at home and the following week we'd play. I mean, the other one I always remember, we went, in terms of away games as well, worst away game by an absolute country mile. We'll do that as well, actually. It was a lot of worst away games. I think probably a few of us would have the same one, but the worst game away for me was West Hartlepool. Went all the way up to West Hartlepool. We were the last team that West Hartlepool beat for two years. They didn't win a single game. They lost, they lost all their other games in the Premiership that season, but relegated. Lost all the other games in the Championship the following season. I think they even got like three quarters or, or nearly to the end of the following season, and then they eventually beat some, somebody the following season. And we went up there and got absolutely stuffed. And it was dreadful. And it was Hartlepool United's ground, which is a dump. Um, yeah, so away game, worst away game, what do you reckon? You were there with me, Glasgow. Oh, God, yeah, that was awful. Oh, <laughs> that was dreadful. <laughs> Stadium in the middle of nowhere. I think it was... Some Fur Hill. Fur Hill. Partick Thistle's ground. Partick yeah. Thistle's. It was foggy as hell. And it was... Was it Ross who just kicked us to death? And literally, yeah. it was the yeah, most boring game of rugby. They were dire. We, we, we were, were worse. expected to walk all over them. And it was worst game of rugby. And the worst thing is we drove all the way out there. It was a long road trip. Other than that, London Irish away. I've never seen us win at London Irish, and they're always miserable games in this half-empty stadium. If I have to hear their drums or keep it going, Irish anymore. <laughs> I, lose I was, was going to say London Irish as well. Oh, Sit in a just, big empty stadium I, I and just watch I, us get drubbed from the beginning just, of the game. Yeah, yeah we just cannot <laughs> win there. Just cannot win there. And every time we go there they're always in like the worst run of form. The thing is, is if you want a team to play and you're in the doldrums, I'm sorry, as much as I love it, we're the side. We always seem to be the one you want to play. Like, I just, it's... It's easy to coach a team. Oh, it's only Gloucester. Come on, you know what they're like. Come I on. just... This, this we, is it. This is like, our team yeah, point. I, I think, to be honest, Ed, you could take your pick. Your wit, away wins are so rare for us. You cherish them. They're like, you know, it's like... Well, that's true. That's true. Well, that's why they say the worst one, though, because I mean, I've been to I've been to some shockers. I think we all yeah. have. I mean, I've been I mean, most from the finals. I mean, I've been to I, I like you all know. I didn't get to go to any of the games we've won at Twickenham. I've yet to see Grosswood Car. Like, so the the worst away trip for me is probably my first ever away trip was Twickers when we lost to Bath. Like, it was a forty-six-four, and it was four points for a try. First player sent off. My dad got in the car. Left the ground, got in the car, didn't speak to me till the next day. And yeah, that was miserable. But Cardiff, Cardiff in the cup was probably the worst. Yeah, that was pretty awful. Lars, what do you reckon? There was an actual venue, I'd say, Adams Park. It was in the yeah. middle of nowhere. I'm not yeah. yet to get to. And then we always got a drumming whenever we went there. Like... <laughs> Interestingly, the only time I never went to Adams Park was the one we won. Really? Genuinely, the only time I've, I've still never seen us beat Wasps away. They're the only club I've never seen us beat away. Um, I, uh, 
Most London men, honourable mention to Saracens when they played at Watford. Oh, yeah, I'm, I, I saw us beat them a couple of times at Watford. So, yeah. and yeah, Watford. Just an hor- horrible stadium. I had a friend that lived up the road, so that wasn't quite so difficult. But uh, no, I would say pretty much every time I've been to Six Ways, um, we just have a we play badly. Um, yeah. Sometimes we play badly and win because Worcester are even worse. Rubbish. <laughs> uh, but but a lot of the time you go and you think. We'll win this easy, and then we just play the worst rugby ever. Well, yeah, the other season that they were absolutely was some dog shit. We they had a player sent off after twenty minutes. We still couldn't solve it. Yeah, it's it's my by. I think it's the thing that defines you as a Gloucester fan is we can go play anyone away, and you have no confidence in it. You know. I think the only season where we won consistently was where we won the, We were 15 points clear at the top. And, and all our three losses were still away in that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, even lost, last year... Lost last to me and a man sent off, didn't we? That was their one. Even last wow. year, we barely... Well. Didn't we many away? No, we didn't. The one thing, again, it goes back to... Again, it's just daft things that pop into your head. I remember going to watch play Quinns when Quinns basically... The loudest noise, you, the loudest noise you'd hear at Quinns was the burger van. That's how bad a ground it was. But the um, in terms of atmosphere, we went down to Queens, and I think Queens had two players sent off, and we still lost. Which is, you know, yeah, I remember that. Was it? Was like we were nilled. Didn't we get nilled as well? It was like thirty-six nil or something. We got absolutely oh. thumped by them, seventy-six nil or something at one point. It was no, like when thirty-six nil at half time. I remember that game because I didn't go, but I remember getting the score update, and it was like two red cards was on there, and then it refreshed. And I was like, what? I, you know, it's just yeah, Queens. Anyway. Right. I was there when Duncan McRae played this first match for Gloucester and we nailed Quinns on their own patch. That was quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so what, what we'll do is, uh, so we'll leave it there um, and um, I will, uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon. Uh, salary you cap. can edit that down into 40 minutes. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Easy. And then salary cap, salary cap uh, we'll do next week. No, we'll do next time. And we could do an entire one on salary cap, to be honest, couldn't we? Be honest, oh, um, easy, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and by then you never know. We'll know where our training ground is and who our head coach. We might is. have a coach. Yeah, first of July apparently. That's what they're saying. So, for, uh, so that's what we'll leave it's it there. Not first and, um, of April. Yeah. Um, but well, well, and if anyone's bored, you can read the weekly CEO update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that Shed Webb's interpretation of it. My oh, favourite yeah. bit. It was we don't respond to rumours, but there's been loads of rumours, and I'd like to say they're all bollocks. <laughs> That's pretty much responding to rumours. Follow Lance on Twitter. It's about a five-minute update, isn't it? It's constant. That that one is up there with. I don't give my opinion on often, but I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and just to (laughs) yeah, the known unknowns and the known unknowns. Um, and uh, the other thing, uh, we'll, we'll we'll decide a bit closer. We'll decide when it maybe calmed down a bit about maybe a bro- broaching uh, other issues yeah, that have affected rugby recently, um, relating to songs. Um, but we'll we'll might come back to that another time. All right. Cool. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.